What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us again on the latest edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line, literally just back from the beach, what, uh, an hour or so ago? Not too long ago? Yep. Kind of getting settled back in. Uh, it's my co-host, Curtis, there on the other, other end of the line. And guys, today's show is all about bold predictions for the 2017 season. We put out a call uh, over the weekend. We mentioned it on the show last week. And uh, you guys definitely responded with some great predictions. So, uh, and you guys, you see, like we said on last uh, the show last week, you see these segments from time to time, these bold predictions. But we kind of want to do it a little bit differently than your average show and uh, enlist all of you guys out there to send us your bold predictions for the coming season. And like I said, you guys did just that. Uh, we got a great response, and Curtis and I are going to react to all of your predictions. But before we move in that direction, we do want to just quickly here remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at GloryUJPodcast at gmail.com. And you can also check us out on the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. Uh, it's always great, guys, to get your thoughts on the show and the team. So feel free to hit us up anytime. We do mean that anytime. Uh, we respect all of your opinions, and we try to do some interactive stuff with all of our listeners on the show. So definitely don't be shy. Feel free anytime to throw some thoughts our way. We do welcome that interaction. And just a reminder that you can also listen to the show on a number of different podcasting platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. So take your pick there based on what works best for you. And uh, also, if you get a free second or two, it would be awesome if you would subscribe to, review, and or share the show on social media. We always, always, always appreciate any help you guys can give us on that front. But all right, let's go ahead and move into these bold listener predictions. So again, uh, we're, we're going to read the different predictions that were sent in. And we did some good ones, man. We got some good ones, for, some very detailed ones. And Curtis and I are going to react to them. Um, and how we're going to do this is we're going to do it on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, kind of giving our confidence level in that prediction coming true or not. With a 10 being a lead pipe lock, it's definitely going to happen, and a 1 being a no chance in hell that it happens. And I know that's a little bit more complicated than we had originally sold it. And originally, we were going to just buy or sell the predictions that were sent in. But after thinking about it, I mean, by definition, bold predictions are outlandish to the point that if we were simply just given a binary choice of buying or selling, like, look, we're going to almost certainly sell all of them because they're bold predictions. They're out there just by definition. So we decided to go with the scale. I thought that would make a little more sense with today's show. Uh, also, I uh, do want to make sure to throw this out there. A number of the predictions that were sent in were kind of similar, particularly when it came to records. We had a couple people say 11-1 uh, record. So what we did in those cases, we did decide to merge a few of the predictions just in the interest of time, just so we weren't on here for like three or four hours. We're going to try to get through as many as we can here, uh, but we do have a finite amount of time. So uh, we did merge a couple of them. And also, if you if you hear us read a prediction that was very similar to yours but not attributed to you, please, guys, don't take that personally. Uh, we didn't we weren't trying to pick on anyone. anyone. We could just merge a couple together and had to attribute it to, to somebody. We just didn't want the show to, like I said, run three-plus hours. But we did do our best to feature everybody – who sent in a prediction at least one time, uh, and many guys did send in multiple predictions. So we tried, if you sent in multiple predictions, to at least feature one of yours. So if we didn't, we definitely apologize. I know I probably screwed up somewhere along the way. It happens. Um, and again, these bold predictions are outlandish by nature, so there's probably a better chance than not that we will disagree with you, uh, to at least to some extent. So please don't take it personally if we give your prediction a low score on our scale. It's just kind of the nature of these things. We know you guys had to go out on a limb for this one, and uh, we definitely respect each and every one of you that sent something in. We fully recognize that bull predictions are pretty much an impossible task. Keep that in mind. All right, Kurt, you ready on this? Yep. All right, we're going to try to roll through as many as we can here. Uh, we're going to start with Harry via email. Appreciate you sending this in, Harry. And Harry is not very confident uh, you know, for our upcoming season here. He's got us going... With his prediction, 7-5 and five with losses to Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Florida, South Carolina, and Auburn. So, Kurt, give me uh, your, your confidence scale on Harry's prediction coming true. 7-5 and five season. Zero uh, percent. Zero. You're going with a zero. Starting us off heavy. All right? Yeah, There's I no mean, way I, that happens? I just don't see that, that it happening that way at all. I mean, if that happens, then... Our team is a failure, and I really don't see our team being that way. I think our defense, and I don't, I think our defense could be improved to the point where you're not going to see things like this happen. Imagine um, the know, hot seat. There's always, there's always a possibility. Going. I mean, you can say anything can happen. I mean, but I, I'm trying to be realistic, and just the fact is, I don't see us going seven to five this year, especially after the way we ended last year. 
and you can tell that something about this team is different. I'm not talking about 12 and 0 different. But I'm talking about you know um, I think more you've seen more of the guys buy in than what you, um, into what we need to be more of a successful team. Fair. And well, let me play that devil's advocate here just for a quick second. I agree with you, by the way, but just throwing it out the other side here. Wouldn't you say our team was more talented than a seven and five team last year? Even though there were some definite roster holes, weren't we better than seven and five? We should have been better than seven and five. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think there were some coaching mistakes and there's mistakes all around. And I think so why won't why that happen this year? Because I think that's where you see not only do the players take a step forward, but the coaches as a whole. They know more what they want to do. And last year we've talked about where, you know, they wanted to run this one offense. And they couldn't do it, and it was too late to change it. Well, now we have an idea of what we have and what we can do. Yeah, I mean, there were some definite holes last year that, that definitely hurt us throughout the season. I think there's still some holes this year. But I think we've done a better job of filling them. And some of the guys that were thrust into early roles – uh, that maybe they weren't quite ready on the defensive line, offensive line to a degree, uh, especially at quarterback, uh, even receiver and to some degree there. Those guys are now a year older and uh, have a little more experience under their belt. So I, I think you can expect some improvement. It remains to be seen how much. I just don't see a 7-5 season happening. I'm with you. I don't like to speak in absolutes. You guys know that. So I'm not going to go with a zero, but I'm going to go with a two here, very low on my confidence meter. Look, it, it, anything is possible. You mentioned it. Anything is possible, so I'm not going to sit here and say, Harry, no, there's just no way that's ever going to happen. I, it, it could. I don't see it happening. I'd be very, very, very surprised if we went 7-5 and five again. But, um, I mean, like, okay, so for me looking at this, that's close to the worst-case scenario. Like, what would your if, – if you were looking at our schedule this year and looking at the team this year, what would be your worst-case scenario? Is it, so it's – I mean, eight and four—is that what you're looking at? Because you're saying we're not going to go seven and five, zero percent chance of that. So is eight and four? I think eight and four is the worst. Yeah, I might. Man, I mean, there's a there is a way we could go seven and five. The wheels fall off, and Eason is a disaster again. Or, or well, maybe disaster is strong. He wasn't a disaster last year. He just wasn't. Great. I mean, my thing is, yeah, if the offensive line was a disaster. Enough, if we're bad enough to lose to Mississippi State and teams like that, then why isn't a team like Missouri who could have a good offense going to beat us? I mean, if, if that's yeah. really how they feel. Yeah, if we're going to lose Mississippi State and South Carolina both at home, why would we beat Missouri? Why would we beat Tennessee on the road? Are we not going to lose Missouri and Tennessee? We're going to beat Tennessee on the road, but lose Missouri and South Carolina at home? I I can see that. I see your point there. I'll say this. I think we could easily, easily lose to either Mississippi State or South Carolina. I think that's very realistic. I just don't see us losing to both of those teams. Like the South Carolina game coming where it falls between Florida and Auburn, that's a a scary trap game. It's late in the season. I, I think we're more talented than them, but... You just don't know at that point in the year. I, I I could see it possible that we lose to one of those teams. I just don't see both those teams. I just I don't. I mean Auburn and Florida. That's a, those are realistic losses for sure. Notre Dame I think is perhaps even a realistic loss. I know a lot of people in the Bulldog Nation are convinced that we're going to just go in there and roll. And maybe that happens. I hope that happens. But I think that's going to be a tougher game than people want to give it credit for right now. Um, so yeah, I mean I look Harry. I get where you're coming from, man. I and I, Harry has a lot. He, in, he said more in his email to add more context. He just basically was saying he has a lot of concerns still, particularly with the offensive line and quarterback. And I get that, Harry. I'm with you. I still do have a lot of concerns, but just not to a seven and five degree, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm going I'm to sell that too, or I, I give it a two on the confidence level. All right, uh, next one here. This is Brett via email. Brett is on the other end of the spectrum from Harry. Brett's bold prediction, uh, and Brett, we do appreciate it, man is that we're going to go 11-1 with our only loss to Missouri, then lose to Bama in the title game, win our bowl game to finish 12-2 on the year. So, Kurt, what is your take on that one? Um, I'd say a 2 out of 10. I think the biggest reason is if we're going to lose to uh, Missouri at home, then kind of like what I said last thing, is how, if we lose to them at home, then how do we go on the road and beat teams like Tennessee and Auburn? And well, I mean, you... Things happen in any particular game. I mean, things, things can happen, happen, but I, I think realistically, if you're looking at losing a team like that at home, then you can't be favored or really expected to truly go on the road and beat some teams. Okay, that's fair. I mean, but let me look at us last year. I know Auburn had some injuries. We lose to Vanderbilt at home, but then we beat at the time Auburn was ranked inside the top ten. I know. Yeah, but I'm saying injuries. we don't, we can maybe beat one of them, but I don't see us winning all those road games. Is what I'm saying. Okay, I mean, that's that's a fair point. I'll, I'll say that I got a, I got this as a three. So, as you can probably tell, I, I'm somewhere in between where I'm going to finish on our overall predictions, which we'll get to in the coming weeks here, uh, where this team's going to finish. I'm somewhere between a 7-5. and five. I don't think that's going to happen. That's too low. But 11-1, and one, I think, is a little too high, although I would lean more closer to 11-1 and one than 7-5. and five. Would you at this point? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would lean a little bit closer there, although I just I don't think either one is likely at this point, so that's why I'm going to give it a three on my confidence scale here. Uh, I will say this. I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think it's as crazy as, as you do that we could possibly lose from Missouri. I think this is a game that people are sincerely overlooking right now, or severely, I should say, severely overlooking. I think all those home games that, you know, everybody looks at our schedule and says, oh, man, this is the crappiest home schedule ever. And I, I agree you don't have any head, major headliners there, but all those teams are capable of beating us. You can, you can even say Appalachian State, but especially the SEC foes. you got Mississippi State, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Missouri. All three, if we bring our... C game and they bring an A game, they could absolutely beat us. We're not good enough to, right now to bring a C game and those teams bring their A games and us still win those football games. So any of those games, if we just happen to not show up, let's say Missouri's a noon game, right? Uh, and Drew Locke is just on fire like he was to start the game last year and Jamon Moore's tearing us up and our defense is having trouble stopping. This is a team that led the ACC in offense last year, uh, 500 yards a game. So I could, I, I, I would say don't sleep on Missouri Um I think that's that they could be a dangerous team if we overlook them and we don't come to play. But I just don't see an 11-1. and one And there's a couple more guys here that also has 11-1 and but had us losing a different team. So let's run through these real quick. Hunter via email had us 11-1 and with our only loss to Florida. So, Kurt, what do you think of Hunter's prediction there? Is that more realistic? 11-1 and with a loss to Florida? Yeah, is that more realistic than 11-1 and with a loss to Missouri? Um, I'll give a five. I, my thing is that... I, I don't see Florida being as good as Auburn. And if we go down to Florida where it's more it's not as hostile as it is going into an Auburn environment, we lose to Florida but don't lose to Auburn, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I uh, okay. we have a bye week before Florida. Yeah, I, I think it's much like let's say we did go eleven and one. I think it's obviously much more likely that we would lose to Florida in Jacksonville as opposed to losing Missouri at home, right? Uh, yeah, it's more likely, but my, uh, more likely eleven and one to me would be a loss to Auburn because we're like we said comes off that stretch with right. Florida, South Carolina, then Auburn. Yeah. I don't see us go losing to Florida and then beating Auburn two weeks later in a more hostile environment against a, te- a better team, in my opinion. Sure, and, and that's actually the next one here. Jordan from Facebook, appreciate it, Jordan. Had it, he says wishfully thinking he's predicting us to go eleven and one with a loss to Auburn. So of those three, eleven and one lost to Missouri, eleven one lost to Florida, eleven and one lost to Auburn. You're putting more stock in the 11 and one with a loss to Auburn. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I can see that more as a seven. A seven? Wow, 11 and one. See, what's holding me back on this? So, 11 and one. With I mean, Auburn. I mean, between the, I guess if I'm going between the three that we've had about the 11 and ones, overall, I'd probably say five or six. Yeah, I mean, I, I just the 11 and one is what holding me back. I just don't know if we're an 11 and one caliber team now. If, if things roll our way. And we catch a couple breaks, and we have some guys take huge steps. If Eason takes a gigantic step in in uh, year two, and the offensive line surprises us all, uh, then absolutely it's possible. I just am not ready to predict us going eleven and one right now. So because of that, I don't have any of those above a four. I have the eleven and one with the loss to Missouri at a three, eleven and one with the loss to Florida as a four, and the same thing with Auburn. I think Florida and Auburn are probably a toss up there. I know Auburn's uh, a better team. And it's on the road, so that's that's a tougher match. I think it'll be better than Florida, at least. We'll see. But I, I do think it might be a tougher matchup on paper. Love them both at a four there. I just don't see eleven and one. That's what's holding me back on that front. It'd be awesome, man. I'd be all four. I think there's an outside shot. I just I can't sit here and predict that happening right now. Uh, all right, the next one here. This is John from Facebook. John, we appreciate it, man. Interesting one here. John says that Georgia will sweep all of our SEC opponents in the regular season. What are you going to give that one? Uh, a three. That's exactly what I have. I mean, again, anything is possible. We've all seen college football for many years now, and we've seen insanity happen. It, it, it's clear it happened. The 2007 season alone was just pure insanity. So we've seen some, some crazy junk. Uh, but to, to say that we're going to sweep all of our SEC opponents, I mean, yeah, can we sweep our home schedule? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a good shot there, but – you still got games at Tennessee. You got a game against Florida and Jacksonville, which we all know the history there. And then you got at Auburn. I those are tough. Um, and I, and I, I do think that why we there's a good chance, a solid chance, we could sweep the home games. And I we better sweep the home SEC games if we if we want to accomplish uh, our goals this season. But so I, as I mentioned earlier, those are some sneaky tough games. Any one of those teams could sneak up and bite us if we are not ready to play. If we bring a C or D level game. So I'm with you. I'm going to go with three there. Uh, could happen, but those two row games at Tennessee, I know Tennessee's not predicted to be great this year. I do think they're going to have some issues finding uh, production offensively and defensively. They lost a lot of key players. 
But so it's at Tennessee. Anytime you play in Neyland, it's a tough game. And Auburn could be – man, that could that could be really, really tough. And Florida, well, we know the history there. Uh, all right. Uh, number f- The next one here, I guess the number four on my list, is from Brett via email. So I appreciate it, Brett. And Brett says, our defense will finish the season ranked inside the top ten nationally. What are you giving that one? Um, I think I could see that. Um, I'd probably give a six. Yeah, I got that as a seven. Uh, I mean, why? Why would that not? I, I, I think that's very likely. I mean, last year with as weak as we were, when 16th. we started with people like Briscoe, um, and we're uh, we were at what sixteen? Yeah, we finished sixteenth nationally in total defense. And the year before, two thousand fifteen, we finished seventh nationally. Year before that, in fourteen, we finished seventeenth nationally. So the past three years, we've been either been inside the top ten or right around there. If you factor in all the guys we come we have coming back, and I know not all of them were, were spectacular last year, particularly in the secondary. They're solid, but maybe not spectacular. But if you, you factor in that we have essentially ten starters returning, plus the added depth from the two thousands uh, from this most recent two thousand seventeen recruiting class, top three recruiting class in the country, I, I think there's no reason to. I think there's a lot of reason to think that we're going to be able to jump inside the top ten nationally and be. Uh, a potentially elite defense, which I, I think is what we're going to need to be, especially early to kind of somewhat carry this offense. Although I, although I do expect the offense to be uh, a decent bit improved this year. But yeah, I think this defense has what it takes. We have experience. We have leadership. We have guys who are potential game changers, uh, particularly up front with Trent Thompson. I think Ledbetter, we've talked about him a lot. I think he's a guy that's ready to, to explode on the scene this year. Roquan Smith, Natres Patrick. We do have some potential stars there um, to kind of lead this defense. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect this defense to finish inside the top ten. So, Brett, I'm going to give you a seven, man. All right, next one here from Ben G on Twitter. Now, Ben, appreciate the, the, the prediction, but I really do. I just don't know if I'm going to give you a, be able to give you a seven on this one. Uh, and, Ben, and I know you went on a limb here, Ben, and probably didn't think this was all too realistic, but I, I appreciate you taking a shot on it, man. I really do. Uh, and Ben says, Nick Chubb will rush for 1,835 yards on the season, which would make him the all-time career Georgia rushing leader, displacing the greatest of all time, Herschel Walker. So, Kurt, what are you going to give that one? I'm going to give a three. Three? Really? Yeah. A three? How is – really? Okay, explain how that's – how you're not even giving – you. so you gave a zero – to the first one, seven and five, but you think there's a better chance that Nick goes for over eighteen hundred. Um, I think if you just look at the statistics, at the fact that Nick Chubb, and when he was fully healthy, had a year that well. Um, or, well yeah, so I mean, his freshman year and about half the year start over fifteen hundred yards rushing. That is true. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nick has shown that there's more possible, more possible. Uh, of that happening than what I thought with the seven and five. You also have to remember when that happened, we were decimated in the backfield. Sony was out with a shoulder injury. We had the whole girly fiasco, so it was Nick. I mean, Nick was getting thirty plus carries a game. Oh, I mean, I agree. I'm just saying the fact is that he's shown he can do it. He can definitely do it. The reason I would hold off on this, I'm giving it a one, by the way. So I mean, there's a chance it could happen. I'm not going to go zero, but I just don't see it happening. And I think the difference this year is number one, Sony is more established. Right, at least right now he's healthy. Knock on wood. Hopefully he stays that way. He's going to get his carries. He's going to get his looks. And you're also going to see some some of the other some of the young guys. Just maybe Harry or maybe DeAndre Swift. And who knows? Maybe Holyfield. But I think right now the odds on probably uh, from what I've seen and what what we're hearing, Swift might be the guy that takes that number three spot. And, and sure, some of those guys will be on the field at the same time in certain situations, but. Those guys are going to take a few carries from Nick. And also, number two, he's coming back from injury. I know he had all of last year, but still, you don't want to kill the to kill the guy. Uh, and you want to make sure he's rested. And I don't think in any game do we want to see Nick Nick Chubb carry the ball 30 times this year like he did in his, his freshman season. I just don't think that's in, in, in the plans right now. And maybe in, in any given game, and he, he's just rolling, we want to ride him, maybe you'll see it once or so, but... I just don't see that being a consistent thing. And, if, and without that, I don't see how he's going to rack up enough yards. Especially, I mean, think about this offensive line. Are you really that confident enough in this offensive line to see a guy rush for 1,800 yards? It'll be the second highest single-season record in Georgia history. Or single, uh, single season in Georgia history. You have to look at the offensive line he did it with the, his freshman year. I mean, they were better than what we had last year. And what we, I mean, as of right now, what it looks like we might have this year. At least yeah, I, was I mean, guy. that's always fair. But I just have to say, I mean... It's just always, in my yeah. opinion, a better chance. Yeah, okay. And just put this out there, Herschel's all-time single-season rushing record here was 1,891 yards. So to break uh, Herschel's all-time overall rushing career rushing record, Nick would have to go for 1,835 just to hair off Herschel's single. So he, he would essentially have to have one of the 
two or three best rushing seasons in Georgia football history. And that's saying something with all, all of our uh, all the great backs that we've had in our history. So it's possible. And I, I know you're not saying that it's likely. I think you, you gave it a three. I just don't see this happening. I would love it, man. It would be incredible. I just I don't see it. All right, number six here, the next one in line. We've got Hunter via email. Thanks for sending this in, Hunter. Hunter says uh, his prediction that Jacob Eason will cut his interceptions in half. How you seeing that one? Um, I don't see that. I just think the, the honest reason is I think he's going to be throwing the ball a little bit more, and um, I think that the more he throws, the more um, chances there are for interceptions. So what, he had eight, eight picks last year, right? Yeah, I mean, I just don't see him cut it. I mean, if he cut it down, maybe – I don't see him cutting down only four. I mean, he could be a six or he could be a ten, in my opinion. I think he's anywhere from six to ten or twelve, really. Yeah, I just, I would, man, it would be incredible. If he, if, let's say this: if Jacob Beeson was healthy all year long, only threw four picks, we're winning the SEC. We're not just winning the East. We're, we might win the SEC if that's that. If that's the case, if he takes that big of a step. So, I mean, because cutting down his interceptions is, we're going down to four. And I, man, I want to see it, but again, I know by nature, again, these predictions are outlandish. So, I mean. More often than not, we're going to probably be on the lower end here on our confidence scale, just the way it is. Uh, and I just don't see this one either. I mean, to give you guys some context, last year, Mason Rudolph, pretty damn good quarterback, right, for Oklahoma State? Yeah. One of the top guys coming back in the country this year. He had he was a guy who had four picks last year. Threw the ball a lot, had four picks. Mitch Trubisky, uh, what, number one pick, right, overall? Was he number one pick? No. What did he get picked? Two, I believe. Two. He was he was a number one draft choice. The Bears trade up to get him. Whatever, wherever he ended up. You guys can tell I don't pay that much attention to the NFL. I'm all college all the time. Uh, but Trubisky had six. He had 30 touchdowns and six picks last year. So for Eason to cut his interceptions in half, he's going to have to get into that range. And I don't know if he's ready for that. I, I, I it'd be incredible. I just I can't sit here and say right now. Well, I, I've been on record saying I do think he's going to be improved, and I do. I just don't know if he's going to cut it down into that range. I mean, last year, the quarterback threw the fewest interceptions that started every single game that didn't start like half the season like uh, Jake Bentley or Steven Johnson from Kentucky was Trevor Knight at, at uh, A&M, and he threw seven picks last year. So for Eason to get into the four range, that's going to take some doing, man. He's going to have to be absolutely lights out. And while I do think he'll, he'll take a step forward, I don't know if he's going to take that big of a leap forward in year two. So I'm going to, go, I'm going to give that a two right now on my confidence scale. All right, next one here is Zach on Twitter. Says that, again, with another one with Jacob Eason, that Eason will have about a 60% completion percentage and throw 25 touchdowns. So, Kurt, how do you see that one? Um, I'd say a four. I think he be, he's close in that percentage. The percentage, I just don't know about the touchdowns. Because the but, fact is, yeah. we're not going to be an air raid offense. Like you said, Trubisky had 30, and they passed the ball more than they ran. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, Zach, I appreciate the question or the prediction, man, and uh, it's a good one. I- I'm I'm down with a 60% completion percentage. I think he'll be around there. Do you? Yeah, that, that's why I give it a four, because I think he has that opportunity. I just don't see it with the touchdowns. I mean, what was Aaron Murray's highest touchdown percentage? I mean, I don't, what was Aaron Murray's highest our, our t- touchdown touchdowns throw? of the season? I don't let me look at this. Remember, I'm gonna look it up. I'll yeah, talk my head. I know his head his completion percentage. His he had a 64 one yeah. year and 63 or 62 one year. So if you're looking at his completion percentage, that's where he was. Let me look at this Georgia stat. Yeah, his touchdowns. What I want to know. Yeah, I mean he had a couple of huge years for us, man. I'm I'm still convinced we might have won the national championship in 2013 if you're not for all the injuries and junk that went down. Aaron Murray. Touchdowns, man! Thirty-five as a as a redshirt sophomore, thirty-six as a redshirt junior, and then twenty-six as a redshirt senior. And that's with uh, the injury against Kentucky late in his career. He had sixty-four percent completion percentage junior year, sixty about sixty-five his senior year. So, so I I probably say a five percent chance. I don't I just don't see the uh, t- that amount of pass, touchdown pass. I think so. You got a five on the scale. Five on our scale. Yeah, I think he's around twenty. Yeah, I, I'm just a slight bit above you. I got six I, I, on this scale here, on a scale of one to ten. Because I def, I'm, I'm good with a sixty percent completion percentage. I expect Easton to be around that number. Twenty five touchdowns. I agree with you. That's why it's not higher, not a seven or eight. And again, let me give you a little context. Last year, I mean, throwing twenty five touchdowns to put him in the range of looking at, from last year's numbers, a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, he had like 20, 
25, 26, something like that. Nathan Peterman, Austin Allen had, I think, had exactly 25 in the SEC last year. So he would have to be around the range of those guys last year. Is that realistic for Easton to, to take a step forward in his sophomore year to be a, an Austin Allen, Nathan Peterman, Deshaun Kaiser level quarterback? I mean, it's very fair. I just don't know if he's going to – those people didn't have the type stack backfield we'll have. True, true. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, they're not going to lean on the run. Although Arkansas runs the ball a lot, but not not as much last year. Actually, they they were definitely more pass heavy than they have been in recent years. Um, a little more context: twenty five touchdowns last year would have put Eason second in the SEC behind Austin Allen. I think Austin maybe had might have twenty six. So uh, I think that's possible. I don't think that's out of the question. I think it, it could happen. When he had sixteen last year as a true freshman, uh, and, but like a lot of things, this doesn't happen in isolation. You're gonna the, the receivers factor into this. Are they going to be improved? I think the answer is yes. Albums of line they factor in in terms of protecting you. So are they going to be improved there? That for me remains to be seen. I don't know. The tight ends, I think they're going to be, uh, especially the young guys with Nada and Warner. I think they're going to be uh, a little more dangerous this year. Now they have the system down for the most part. So I think that's realistic. That's why I'm going to give it a six there. So appreciate that one, Zach. All right, this next one. Jamie, I appreciate it, man. This is from Jamie on Twitter. He's one of our loyal listeners, and we appreciate the interaction and you sent in the, pr- the prediction, Jamie. But I just don't know if I can go with this. I mean, I, God, it would be incredible. I just don't know if I can go with it. And Jamie is predicting that Eason and Chubb, he's going on a limb, man. I got mad respect, Jamie. You're going on a limb like this. He's predicting that Eason and Chubb are both going to be finalists for the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to let you take that one, Kurt. Um, I'm going to go 0%. And the fact is, no school really has two guys doing it if they do it's usually a wide receiver and quarterback because they go hand in hand you won't see a quarterback and running back because that means one of them's gonna have to be feature or you know you can't feature both of them because chubb can't do it all can't do but you know can't be successful if eason's getting all these huge statistics throwing the ball yeah that's the thing it's, it's very difficult for a quarterback and a running back on the same team to like both you saw be it, there. i think you saw it last year with dd westbrook and baker mayfield but that's because they go hand in hand right. where you don't see that with chubb right uh, and you're exactly right. In that case, Mayfield's production, like you mentioned, goes hand-in-hand with uh, D.D. Westbrook's production because when he throws the ball and completes it, better chance than not, they was going to go to D.D. Westbrook because he was such a dynamic playmaker for them at wide. Uh, yeah, but when you're talking about quarterback running back, it's a different story because by, by necessity, unless the running back's racking up 1,000-plus yards receiving, when the quarterback hands off and the, and the running back has success, he's eating up yards that the quarterback can't take and vice versa. So are both being finalists, Again, I don't like to speak in absolutes. Intellectually, I say zero on this. But, again, I guess there's always a chance. I'm a believer. There's always a chance. Crazy things happen. So I'm going to go with a one. I just I just don't see how that's going to happen. I, it, let's let's take this away. Let's say one of them. If we change that to one of them end up a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, what would yours be? Uh, maybe a six. Really? A six? Wow. See, I, I would say maybe a, maybe a, a three. If we have a really good season, I think Chubb could make an argument if he, if he comes back healthy and just bust on the scene this year. It could happen, but both of them, um, I just don't see it, man. I'm just not sure how that would happen. All right, number nine is from Bassin Dog on Twitter, and uh, appreciate it, my man. And he says, Sony Michelle will top 1,000 all-purpose yards. Um, I'm going to go nine. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got an eight on this one. Um, let me look. Sony last year was almost there. He had 989 yards from scrimmage last year. Um, essentially missed the first game with uh, the whole ATV accident. And if you and go back, the second game he couldn't do much. Yeah, couldn't do much the second game, and we didn't plan for him to do much the second game because we thought, oh, it's Nickel State, and we don't really need him. But as it turned out, we could have used him. Uh, man, that sucks. But uh, if you go back to 2015, I know he started about half the year after Nick went down, so he was our starting running back. He went over 1,400 yards total, yard, or total yards from scrimmage. In 2015. So for me, yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to have more of a defined role this year. I think we're going to try to get the ball in his hands in a lot of different ways. Uh, he should be healthy from the start again. Knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think definitely. I, I'm going to go with a strong eight there, and I wouldn't be opposed to saying a nine like you did. Uh, next one here from Ellis on Twitter. Appreciate it, Ellis. Uh, Ellis knows that you and I are both high on Ledbetter, uh, Big John there. So he says. That Ledbetter and Trent Thompson are are going to combine for twenty sacks this season. How do you see that one? Um, I'm gonna go with a one. Um, you know, we're, I'm high on both those guys. I just don't see it happening realistically. I can see maybe in the ten to twelve range, but not twenty. I mean, the last time Georgia really had it from a um, 
their best pass rushers were either in the four three with Pollock on the true outside, or you know as Charles we know, Johnson. Jarvis. Don't forget about yeah Our, Charles Johnson for a couple of years, and Jarvis Jenkins and all them. And we don't really have Jarvis that. Jones. Yeah. Um. So that's the Jarvis Jones. Well, I said Jarvis. It's all good. Uh, Jarvis Jones. Played with John we Jenkins. just we just don't really have that with them. Yeah, uh, we don't, and, and they're different players too. Now, Led, uh, he's a, he's a five tech, which in some, I mean, if you're talking about where would he, where would he play in a four three, he'd be a tweener in a four three. He's all he's a little too light to play inside, and maybe not quite quick enough to play a true four three defensive end pass rushing type guy, traditional four three like like Pollock was and Charles Johnson, those kind of guys. Um, but he's a perfect fit as a five tech. For the three four. Now, when you get him lined up and passing downs on the interior, and you you slide him inside against a guard, I think he wins that matchup nine out of ten times against most guards. So I think he'll definitely have an impact for us last year. But the dude, I know he missed half the season last year, but Ledbetter only had one sack last year. He had one sack. Trent had five sacks last year. Now I know he didn't start every game because he was in and out of the doghouse, um, but. He had five sacks, but three of those came in the last game of the season, the bowl game against TCU. Now, maybe that's a sign of things to come. I hope to God it is, and I do think that we can expect him to take a, a, a nice step forward and become more consistently dominant. But, I mean, he's not going to be a three-sack, two-sack-a-game kind of guy, game in and game out. So for those guys to combine for 20 sacks this year after combining for six last year, they're going to have to better than triple their production from last year. And I just, I, I, it could, it, again, it could happen. Crazy things happen. But I think it would also be somewhat crazy to sit here and say that I expect that to happen. So I'm with you, man. I'm going to give it a one. Um, and Ellis, definitely not hating on you, man. I, I love the prediction. It's, it's definitely one to go out there. And that's what these bowl predictions are all about. It's all about going on the limb. So respect to you there. But uh, if you look at the production from last year and what they would have to do this year for that to happen, I just, I don't see it. And, and again, those are not natural traditional pass rushing positions in a 3-4. They're not your hybrid outside linebacker type guy, which is your main, your primary pass rusher in that scheme, like a Leonard Floyd. So, yeah, I think you could see double digits. I mean, is 10 reasonable? Yeah, easily. Yeah, I think 10, 12-ish is even reasonable. Uh, 20, though, I mean, 15. Like, maybe 15. If you said 15, I might give it a 4-ish, 4 or 5. 20, that's just, that's a, that's a little bit out there. It's a little too rich for me to, to go out on. For that one. All right, next one here is James from Twitter. Appreciate it, James. And James, another one about sacks, says Lorenzo Carter breaks out with double-digit sacks in 2017. How do you see that one? I'd say a five. I mean, he has the ability to do it, so that's why I give him the five. I just don't think he truly does. I mean, I could see it going either way. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, we've, I, burned, we've been burned so many times saying exactly. he's going to have double digits yeah i went back and forth initially i was like yeah it could definitely happen and then i was like oh man but we've been like you said we've been burned so many times and i was like well let's cut the difference there so i ended up landing on a six here a couple reasons i'm with you um he's got all the potential in the world he absolutely has potential to hit double digit sacks but i am completely 100 percent in show me mode with lorenzo carter now he's put on good weight we'll see if he keeps it up through camp when i saw him uh early in camp he looked better than he has ever looked uh he looks explosive he looks thicker hold up better against the run um, and we'll see. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about him working out with Chuck Smith in the summer to kind of work on his technique, refining his technique, converting speed to power, and just adding more to his arsenal of pass rush moves. We'll see if that translates to the field. I'm definitely in, in wait-and-see mode, show-me mode with Lorenzo, but I definitely think it's possible that he's able to bump up to double-digit sacks. And he had five last year, so is it possible he doubles his total from last year? I think it's possible. I mean, we talked about this a lot last year too, Kurt. Especially early in the season with some of the, the mobile quarterbacks we were playing, we kind of had that mud, that mud, the muddle rush, you know, where we weren't exactly going full force after the after the quarterback because we we were, were very respectful of their ability to hurt us with their legs and escape the pocket. We want to kind of keep them contained under wraps, so that somewhat factored into it with guys like Chad Kelly. Um, so yeah, I think it's reasonable. So I'm gonna give it a six there. Might be a little high, but I'll give it a six. Uh, next one here, Ellis on Twitter. Talking about Terry Godwin. And Ellis says, uh, so this is the second one for Ellis. So thank you, Ellis, for sending this one in also. It says, Terry Godwin breaks Terrence Edwards' single-season single season receiving yardage record. How much of a chance are you giving that one, Kurt? Uh, 1%. Yeah, I got a 1 on that one too, man. Uh, Ellis, I know it feels like we're just hating on you, man. I promise we're not. Again, appreciate you sending this stuff in. But look, we've had we – have, all of one, count them, one 1,000-yard 1, receiver in our football history. And that's with A.J. 
Well, that was in a, that's AJ on that list. I mean, Terrence Edwards is the only receiver in our football history to go over a thousand yards. Now, for a long time with Dooley and such, we run the football heavily. It wasn't really until Rick got here that we started to chuck the ball around all over the place. I guess we did it under Don to a degree as well uh, with Bobo and, and guys like that at quarterback Quincy Carter. But in 2002, Terrence Edwards had 1,004 yards receiving. This is the best receiving year production-wise, yardage-wise, in Georgia history. Now, Terry, in his first two seasons combined, has only had 776 yards of production at this point. So it would take... A Herculean jump from Terry. And really, it would take a Herculean jump, not just from Terry, but again, this doesn't happen in isolation. It would take a Herculean jump from all parties involved. Terry, Eason, the offensive line. It absolutely would. Other receivers to draw coverage away from, from Terry so they can't double on Terry if he starts having a great year. That's what happened to McKenzie. Think about early in the season when McKenzie was just jumping on the scene, right? With, with big games, a huge game against uh, Missouri, big game against North Carolina. And then all of a sudden, for a couple games, he kind of falls off the face of the earth. That's because teams realize, oh, this is the guy that can hurt us. And they put a guy over the top on him, kind of bracketed him to a degree, and we had no one else that, that could force him out of those looks. So they were able to take him out of, the, out of the game for the most part for a couple games there until we figured out ways to get the ball into his hands. So unless another receiver on the outside steps up opposite of Terry, if Terry was having a great year to open the season, then I don't know how he gets to that number. So I'm with you, man. I'm going to give it a one here. Uh, I just don't see it. He would ha- I mean, he would have to take a massive step forward in year three. And I do expect a big jump from Terry. I think we're gonna, he's going to be better in the slot if that's where we do end up using him. And he's more natural there. Oh, he can play on the outside and be solid there. I think he's more dangerous on the inside. We've talked about that, talked about that a lot. Uh, but, man, it would take a huge jump. And I don't know if he's ready for that big of a jump. I don't know if our offense is that ready for that big of a jump to where we're going to produce a 1,000-yard receiver. It's only the second one in Georgia history. Uh, all right, next one here is from Jonathan on Twitter. Appreciate it, Jonathan. Uh, one of our little listeners, man. Definitely appreciate you, Jonathan. And he says that he's predicting our starting offensive line from left to right being Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, Andrew Thomas at left guard, uh, Gilliard at center, Solomon Kinley at right guard, and Isaiah Wilson at right tackle. So, Kurt, opening the season with that starting offensive line, what are you going to give that? A uh, two. What's holding you back? Uh- uh, I just don't know if they're – I mean, just as of Monday of practice, they had Wilson at left guard and Thomas at right tackle. So there's no set in stone of where these kids are going to be, and then let alone it's going to be hard for two freshmen to, to get in. Yeah, there's so much moving around right now, and that's to be expected at this point, especially with so many young guys being the guys that we would like to be able to count on because they more so fit our system and what we want to be, help us to kind of be the offense that we want to be. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of moving around. It's just hard to tell right now, man. Like, Is that offensive line reasonable? Absolutely. I, I could absolutely see a line where you got Isaiah Wynn, left tackle, then Thomas, Skillier, Kinley, Wilson. That's that's very reasonable. But I just I, – honestly, man, like I would just be guessing right now with all the moving moving parts that are going on this offensive line right now. So I'm, I'm just going to cut it in half. I'm going to say a five because I think it's possible. We just don't know. I, I, I don't know if Wilson's the odds-on favorite to start this season at right tackle – uh, I, I still think that Dyshawn Sims is going to find himself at least to open the season. If we're talking about who's going to open the season, I think Dyshawn Sims is going to find his way in that starting lineup to open the season. Now, I don't know how long he'll retain that. Uh, you listen to Kirby Smart talk about Dyshawn. He's, he, he loves the guy. Uh, he talks about how much how hard he works and how much of a leader he is out there. He's helping these young guys. I think he wants to find a place for him somewhere on that line to open the season and make these guys earn it. So I can't go much higher than a five, but I think there's a decent chance that we could see something like that. Uh, next one here, Reggie on Twitter. Thank you, Reggie, for sending this in. Uh, Reggie says we're going to have two 500-plus yard receivers on the year. I'm going to include tight ends in on that, too. Reggie didn't specify that, but I'm going to go with tight ends included here. How are you seeing that um, one? False. Or I'll false. Give it a three. I'm trying to think. A three, really. Um, on the beach. I can see it happening, but I just... I just don't see them focusing on just two guys, really. Yeah, I th- I, that's the thing for me. Why? I, okay, I went to six. Okay, and the reason I didn't go higher than that, I think we I, there's a solid chance we could have two guys with 500 plus yards. But it's just what you said. I think we have the talent to have that happen. I think we have guys that are talent, talented enough to get 500 plus yards. But I think we have a lot of them, and I don't know how many of them are going to separate themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see Riley really get gets a, a good number of touches. I think Javon Williams is going to get his touches. I think Terry is going to get his touches. I think Miko is going to get his touches. I think some of these young freshmen, J.J. Hobbs and Mark Webb, Akil Crumpton, these guys are going to get touches. You need, then you look at the tight ends. 
You got, of course, you got Naughty who's going to definitely get a lot of touches. Um, Warner's going to get some looks. Blazevich, I don't know, man. I, oh, let me throw this at you. Blazevich over under five catches on the year. Under. Yeah, I, I might go under on that too. Um, then you got Sony out of the backfield. You talked about DeAndre Swift. We got a lot of guys that we talk about we want to get the ball to, and I expect us to get the ball to. So if the reason it's not higher than a six for me is just what you mentioned there. We've got so many guys that I think could be playmakers for us, and we want to get them the ball. Now, as the season wears on, do a couple guys emerge? That's probably going to happen. Um, probably going to have a go-to guy here or there. But I, I, if I had to predict, I say one of the. I, I think Nada could easily get 500 yards. I mean, he had 361 last year, and he didn't start for half the season. So I think he'll definitely get more looks. And I think one of the two of Wims and or Ridley could see that. I mean, even Terry. I think Terry could be a candidate to get 500 plus yards. I mean, he had almost 400 last year. So could, could he see a bump up this year with McKenzie out out of the slot and Terry kind of taking over there for the most part? I think that's definitely possible. So I'm gonna go a six there. I'm going to go with six. And you got to factor in improvement at quarterback. Should help these guys out as well. Uh, all right, next one here. We're going to try to roll through the last couple here as quickly as we can. Uh, TCA on Twitter. Thanks for sending this in, man. Uh, says Javon Wims. going to stick with the receivers here. Javon Wims is going to have 10 receiving touchdowns. Where are you going to go with that one? Uh, I'm going to go uh, two. That's exactly what I have. It's a possible Yes. Uh, however, again, just put in some context to this, and I know these are supposed to be out there by nature, but put in some context to the prediction. Uh, if Wims had 10 receiving touchdowns this year, that would put him second place all time on our single season touchdown touchdown catches uh, list behind Terrence Edwards' 11 in 2002. So do I think Javon Wims could be a good player for us this year? Absolutely, if, as long as he doesn't do flips on the end zone. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely, I think he could be a, a big-time player for us this year. But 10 receiving touchdowns? While possible, uh, I think that I would say definitely unlikely at this point. So I'm going to give it a two. Uh, next one here, Aaron on Twitter. Appreciate it, Aaron. I like this one, man. Aaron's uh, he's a Tennessee hater. He's a ball hater, and I, I can definitely appreciate that. Man, I hate, I hate them myself, but man. So Aaron says, with our returning players on D and Tennessee having to revamp their offense, the Volunteers will not score a touchdown against us this year. How you uh, probably a one. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Because uh, I do think Tennessee is going to have some problems. I'm with this. I'm not. Don't think that's going to happen. They are going to have some problems offensively. But like any there are any number of ways you can score a touchdown. It could be a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. Heck, you know we could fumble the ball in the red zone and they score a touchdown. They don't necessarily have to drive the length of the field. So they're probably. I mean, most likely to score a touchdown against us. But hey, anything can happen. Maybe our defense goes up there and makes a statement after what happened last year. So I give it a two. Uh, next one here, Steven on Twitter. This is an interesting one for me. Uh, I like this one, so appreciate it, Steven. He says that his prediction is the score of the Appalachian State game will be closer than the score of the Notre Dame game. What are you going to give that one? Uh, probably a three. That's exactly what I have. Now, let me, and let me give you some rationale. And I know like Appalachian State is the first game of the year, and a lot of people are on the bandwagon. Hey, let's not overlook Appalachian State. They almost beat Tennessee last year. You know, Years ago, it was 07. They go into the big house and beat Michigan, so they're they're a giant killer. But app, if you really look at the numbers, we talked about this with Appalachian State preview earlier in the summer. Appalachian State has not fared well against their Power Five opponents with, with those few high profile exceptions. With the high profile exception, obviously against Michigan, and how they almost beat Tennessee and should have beaten Tennessee last year on that Thursday night to open the season in Neyland Stadium. But let me give you some context here. So last year, and I've read these numbers before, but if you're new to the show, they averaged 430 yards a game overall as an offense. But when they played Power 5 teams, that number dropped to 275 yards a game. Probably predictable, but just putting that in context. They averaged 30 points a game overall scoring um, offensively last year. When they played Power 5 teams, that number went down to 11.5 a a game. They're 20-4 and in the Sun Belt since moving up to division or the, the, power, the group of five. Move up to, what is it, FBS now, a bowl subdivision. But in five games versus the Power Five since 2013, they've been outscored 203-53, to which is an average of basically 40-10. to So, yes, they do have those high-profile either wins against, against Michigan or almost wins against Tennessee. But in totality, as a, as a rule, that's, that's just that, those are the exceptions. This is not a team that's going out every time they play a Power 5 team and pushing them to the limit. It just hasn't been happening. Uh, now, saying that, they are dangerous if we don't take them seriously. But I have to believe that we're going to take them seriously at this point. And Notre Dame, 
again, I mentioned this at the outset of the show. I think they were better than their 4-8 record from a year ago, particularly that offense. Their defense was disastrous last year. It was a train wreck, and they don't look to be that much improved this year. They bring Mike Elko in from Wake Forest, the defense coordinator. Maybe he's some moderate improvement. They just don't have the horses right now defensively. But that offense is flat-out scary dangerous. Equinemia State Brown might be one of the best receivers in the country. I don't know if we have anybody to match up with him. Alizé Jones was out all last year with an academic issue at tight end. Is one of those true new-age hybrid tight ends. Very dangerous guy there. They have the, uh, Adams back at running back, and we'll see what, what they're going to bring at quarterback with, with Wimbush, but I think he'll be at least decent-ish. Uh, as long as he does not a disaster, they should be pretty darn good offensively. So I think the Notre Dame game and the fact that it's on the road, I think that game is going to be much closer than Appalachian State. So that's just how I say that one. But who, who knows? Appalachian State, they, they could sneak up on us. There's no doubt they could. Uh, all right, next one here, just a couple quick ones. James on Twitter uh, his prediction is, and I appreciate James, that Georgia is going to have two all-SEC first-team defenders this year. How do you see that one? Uh, maybe a four. Well, I'm going eight. I'm going an eight on this. I'm high on that. I mean, look, Roquan, I feel really confident saying he's going to be all-SEC first-team. If, if he stays healthy, would you agree he's going to be on that list? Yeah. At this point? Now, I, he has to prove it and be more consistent, but Trent Thompson has all the ability in the world to be on that first-team list. Well, does, is he going to become more consistent? I don't know yet. I think he. I, I, I would lean towards yes, based on how he ended last season. No, he's got to carry that over. I know he had that somewhat of an issue, but he looks like he's back in shape and back ready to go. So, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight on this. I think that's very reasonable. And if not Trent, maybe a guy like Dominic Sanders, who I know is not you know, a spectacular athlete necessarily, but he's been back there so long. He is somewhat of a name brand because uh, he's just been around for, for so long. Uh, maybe Lorenzo Carter sneaks in there. Maybe a guy like that. Maybe a Jonathan Ledbetter. We'll see. I think there's a good chance that that happens. If our defense is as good as we, we expect it to be. Uh, next one, Brian on Twitter says, DeAndre Baker will be an all-SEC corner this year. What's your take on that one? Uh, probably a two. Yeah, I'm not going to go too high. A little higher than that. I'm going to give him a four. Because uh, I don't know how many great corners are returning the SEC. A lot. I mean, Florida's losing a ton of guys at corner. Uh, Tennessee's losing Cam Sutton. There's a lot of guys that are that are moving on. You still got guys like Carlton Davis at Auburn, Anthony Averett at Alabama. Those guys might take that spot. Um, now, if, it depends on what you're talking about. You're talking about just on any of the All SEC list, not necessarily first team. If you're talking about second or third team, yeah, I think he could sneak into a, maybe a third team, maybe even a second team if he has a good season. I think he's probably our best man cover corner. Uh, but again, how much is that saying? I don't know. But I, I think he's got some skill. I like what he brings to the table. Uh, all right, now, stay on the cornerback uh, position here real quick. Alex on Twitter says, Amir Speed will take one of the starting cornerback positions. How are you saying that one? Repeat that, sorry. He says, Amir Speed, uh, one of the true freshmen, will take one of the starting cornerback positions this year. I would give it a three. I think I really actually do think it could happen at some point. Yeah, that's he doesn't specify. That's why I, I, I also have it as a three. <laughs> But he didn't specify. So if we're talking about like mid-year, uh, I maybe. I, maybe I might go up to a five. But to start the season, I, I, I think three at the highest, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, look, if you watch the guy, if you look at him out there, like we saw at the open practice, I mean, he looks the part. I mean, he is he is a legit 6'3". And the thing is, guys that are that tall at the cornerback position, a lot of times they have trouble flipping their hips. They're not as fluid there. I did not see that problem. Did you? No, I saw a very smooth, athletic guy out there who's got the length to go with it. So I, I think he might be our best physical specimen at that position, definitely. But he looked lost at times, which was fair. I mean, it's his first week of practice. I mean, their second day when we saw it was the second day in full pads ever in a Georgia uniform. So, you know, he's, he's got some technique to clean up on. Uh, he's, he's got to learn the system. So I think maybe by mid-year, I could, I could see it. I just don't know who is, whose position he's going to take. I mean, I know you would say Malcolm Parrish, right? Uh, no, he can take uh, Baker's spot. I honestly don't believe Baker is uh, solidified there as much as Parrish is. I think Parrish is, is definitely established. You know, Kirby always says every position is always open, and somebody comes in and just blows him away, maybe. But uh, they like what Parrish brings to the table from a leadership standpoint, from a tackling standpoint. He does a lot of things really well. Yeah, he gives up some inside leverage a little too often. He, he's he's uh, vertically challenged, I would say. But he does a lot of things well. I think he, a speed would have to be really good. To be able to take over him. So I think, yeah, if he took over anybody, maybe Baker. But I think Baker's a pretty good player, too. Just remains to be seen there. I think I think Speed definitely slides into that uh, spot left vacant by uh, by Parrish after this year, for sure. Uh, all right. 
John from Facebook real quick says, Butch Jones, this is now a couple that are just uh, opponents, SEC-centered, not necessarily Georgia. says, Butch Jones gets fired before the end of the season and gets replaced with either Les Miles or Art Bryles. Uh, zero. Zero? Okay, see, here's my thing on this one. If he would have stopped, if John would have stopped uh, after saying Butch Jones gets fired for the end of the season and just stopped there, I would give that maybe a five. I think that's very reasonable. That's possible. Especially if he gets off to a bad start, losing on Labor Day night and on a national um, national audience with the only game on to Georgia Tech. That that will start the, 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 the calls for his job right away. Then if you lose to Florida, then you lose to us, man, things could steamroll real quickly against him. And and Tennessee, I, I would venture to say that's a program that's not afraid to get rid of a coach mid year if, if it's if it's necessary. But where he loses me is the Les Miles or Art Bryles thing. Les Miles maybe. I, I don't think it's likely, maybe. Art Bryles, I say no way. He is even for tennis even for Tennessee, wouldn't you say Art Bryles is too toxic right now? Yeah. I mean guy I mean look, guys bounce back from things. Even Hugh Freeze will probably bounce back with a job somewhere at some point. Bobby Petrino bounced back with a job at Western Kentucky and then parlayed that and get back into Louisville. If you can coach, you can get a job most of the time. But Bryles, I think I think he might be a little too far from redemption. I just don't see how that's possible with what he's accused of and how he covered that up. I just don't know that one. So uh, when you add that in there, I'm going to go with three there. Maybe less miles. I don't know. Ten. But I will say this. Think about all the guys. The last couple times they had to fill their job, all the guys Tennessee went after and had this. I mean, Bush Jones was what, like their fifth choice, something like that? Yeah. So, so I mean, like maybe they maybe, less miles probably would not be their first choice, but if they fired Butch Jones – and they go after a top guy, get turned down. Go after another guy, get turned down. Maybe Les Miles is somewhere down that list. Maybe. Uh, last one here. Seth via email says, Auburn won't meet expectations, but will still finish second in the West with eight wins. How you going to look at that one, my man? Um, Maybe a three. I just don't see them finishing second if they only have eight wins. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Eight. And I know that you got to play at Clemson. Um, so that that might be a loss. So I think Auburn put up a better game than people are thinking right now in that game. Then they might come out with a win. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like, how are you gonna finish second in the West with eight wins? I think nine wins might do it. Uh, but I mean, obviously, conference wins is what matters. But Auburn won't meet expectations. I don't know, man. I think Auburn's gonna be pretty darn good this year. I still would go Alabama as the favorite probably right now in that division. I think I think Auburn is clearly the second best team in that division. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I think they're this idea that LSU should be ahead of Auburn. I don't know where that's coming from. We'll get into that more when we do the season preview. So I don't want to spoil too much. Um, so I mean, it depends on what you define as Auburn's expectations this year. If you're talking about a ten, eleven win season, yeah, they might fall short, short of that. But I think they're going to finish second in the West with better than eight wins. I'd say maybe a nine and three type season. So I'm not too far off from you, Seth. There, so I might go a four. I guess it just depends on how you define Auburn meeting expectations this year. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoy that. We really do appreciate all of you that sent in uh, some predictions. And again, like I know we're not, it seems like we're hating on everybody, giving you guys low scores on our on our scale. But that is just the nature of things. So we really do appreciate what you guys sent in. We respect each and every one of you uh, and your thoughts. So definitely uh, tell us what you guys think about all the different predictions out there. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, check back with us later this week. The season is just around the corner. The next couple weeks we'll have our Georgia team preview. And uh, then we'll have our, our, C, our SEC preview, which is looking at the, S, the East and the West, and kind of giving some predictions there. So it's just around the corner, guys. Cannot wait. Absolutely cannot wait. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go Dawgs.